Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you, and as I always like to do, a little preview. Later on for our inbox, we have a girl in her late 20s. She's having some trouble finding eligible Christian guys that she wants to date. And so what can she do? It's kind of that age-old question that we've addressed a couple times at Boundless, but we'll maybe take a fresh look here. And then for our culture segment, Eric Demeter is back with us to discuss more content from his brand new book, How Should a Christian Date? Okay, well, that's pretty self-explanatory. So hopefully he'll have some good insight there. And uh, today he's actually going to discuss why love is similar to baking a cheesecake. So you won't want to miss that. Well, here we are for our roundtable. And we're going to actually talk about standards in dating. And so this is just like an entirely dating show. Um, So what about your standards being too high in dating? You know, I feel like We've debunked here at Boundless everything from like the you complete me myth to all the, you know, having extensive lists of qualities you need in a person, which full disclosure, I did have that list um, to, you know, all the other things that like play into it. Like is it I shouldn't settle, right? Because I'm I'm a Christian and I shouldn't settle in anything. But what does it mean to not settle in the non-negotiables? Because that's important not to settle there. So fortunately, we have got Roger, Vaughn and Josh here. Hey guys. Hey, Lisa. Woohoo. All right. So, um, and of course, we have you three because of extensive dating expertise represented around the table. And Josh is like way and Roger to meddling in people's dating lives, even as we speak. Spiritual gift, actually. Very. I think, yeah, I think God called us to that. Yeah. Yeah. Very, okay. very proud of their roles here. So, um, we'll have, and Vaughn, you and I are just going to have to benefit from their wisdom, I guess. So, Perfect. all right. Um, let's. Let's first of all talk about what it even looks like to spot unrealistic expectations in a dating relationship. So, um, because I think we all have certain expectations and we all have certain quote unquote title of the segment, you know, standards, talking about standards. But is it possible to have standards that are too high? Like, what do you guys think, like, in defining this? Where do you land on that? One of the first things I've seen is I've seen folks that I've worked with in counseling or whatever, and she doesn't read her Bible as much as me. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get up as early to pray as me, or mm-hmm. um, he isn't, you know, functioning like a full-on pastor, um, even though he's pr- a professional photographer. Like, I, I've seen people have these expectations about how much time in the Word, how much involvement in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, these are What good, their faith should look like should externally. Look, yeah. yeah, externally, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's not as if those are zero uh, value in litmus tests of like where someone is at because out of our mouth, you know, the heart speaks and out of our actions, the heart lives. Right. So that that's reasonable to look for those things, but having this expectation of um, church involvement, scripture time, prayer time, just off the charts. Yeah. And don't you feel, I I mean, it seems like that is much more common nowadays where, we have access to, you know, I talk about this at Boundless all the time. We have access to so many outliers. So you think of who mm-hmm. is big in the Christian world and whatever. And I jokingly say when I talk about all these women who think that they're going to marry John Piper, and I'm like, John Piper was not John Piper when he was 22. Mm-hmm. He was probably this weirdo jerk who was mm-hmm. just kind of like getting his act together. But age, maturity, life experience, you know, matures and grows a person. And so, yeah. you know, looking for trajectory in that front is is key. But yeah, but it's not like, oh, how many stages have they been on or have they written commentaries and all this kind of stuff? It gets kind of weird. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you mentioned the aspect of somebody – uh, you know, they don't go to church enough. They don't read their Bible enough. They don't pray enough, whatever it might be. I know that in uh, my experience with my wife, as we've met with couples in the past, we've heard the extreme on, on a different front. And those those kind of extremes, are they look like this. You know, I'm health-oriented, so because I take these vitamins, you need to take these vitamins. Because mm-hmm. I, I eat peas and vegetables are good for you, you need to, to do that. And we actually watched a marriage break up over the fact that it had a, a potential husband at that time who eventually did become the husband, but his extremism actually created a problem because he was mm-hmm. actually on uh, target to become a, a doctor. And the expectations that he placed on his his bride to follow suit on exercise and food uh, regimen and all that kind of stuff actually became destructive. It was mm-hmm. over the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, when 
essentially he was taking away her individuality, what what her personality was, what her character is like, what her her likes and her dislikes are, mm-hmm. for the idea that you know that we are the same, where we operate as one, which is really this is what Scripture says: we are a, a unity, but unfortunately. It's unity, diversity. We are unified. We operate as one, but we aren't one. We're distinctly different in our characters and everything else. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, it, in that case, the extreme actually became destructive to a point of divorce. Yeah. Well, because what are essentials versus what are... You can have very strong preferences or mm-hmm. even some strong convictions personally about certain things. Like, I really feel like XYZ supplements and stuff are necessary given whatever's going going on, you know, health-wise in our culture and stuff. But can you put that on someone else? I think that gets tricky. So, yeah, I mean, I think a big thing is my boyfriend's a professional golfer. I have absolutely zero desire to learn how to golf. (laughs) Um, It sounds very boring to me, but I love watching him do it because it's his passion. But he also understands that, like, I don't want to golf. I will play mini golf and that'll be the extent of it. Okay. And mm-hmm. so I think so but, he's not still trying to be like, no, Von, really, just give it a try. I'm sure no, he is. Okay. <laughs> he's still trying. Okay. He's still WPG. No. <laughs> slightly <laughs> trying. I like uh-huh. to drive the golf cart. I think that's a good medium. Uh-huh. Right. But okay. it's one of those things that if he if his deal breaker was, no, you have to be a mm-hmm. golfer with me, mm-hmm. then we wouldn't be dating anymore. Right. And I think it's that right. Remembering that you are two separate people. Um, we had this conversation, one of our friends and his girlfriend just broke up because he felt like it was very one-sided. She would make him watch a bunch of TV shows she liked. She would say, oh, we should do these things. But when he was like, hey, let's do something I like. She's like, no, I'm tired or no, I can't do it or no, I just don't want to do this. And so it was very focused on her and what she wanted to do Mm -hmm. and realizing that like, no, you do have to have those separate interests. Mm -hmm. You don't have to love all of the other things that they do. Mm -hmm. But like, if you accept that that's what they do and you both accept, okay, that's not my thing, but yeah, maybe our thing together is watching Gordon Ramsay, right? Something you'll find it over time, but not having, yeah, it shouldn't be an end all be all if you know, we don't have to have every single thing in common. Correct. Right. So what about a couple things that maybe are a little more serious and a little more, you know, maybe ultimately taking the relationship, you know, in a on a certain course, maybe you married guys can speak to this because I know we get questions at Boundless that are just like, I literally don't want to marry someone who's been married before, mm-hmm. or I don't want to marry. So I've had women tell me, I don't want to marry. Here's the guy girl conundrum. I find both of these play out much more in the, in a certain sex. Girls are like, I just don't want to marry a guy who has ever had to deal with pornography. Like ever, that's just not been a thing for him. Mm -hmm. And guys will say, oh, well, I only want to marry a virgin. That's just, I just feel like that. What about those kind of, again, standards? Like where is it something that you're just like, sure, if if everyone had just been sold out to Jesus and hadn't sinned sexually in any areas, you know, awesome, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's great. But is that appropriate to put that as a preference slash standard in looking for a mate? You asked the question, is it appropriate? Um, as soon as you start laying that standard or your personal standards or expectations on somebody else, then the appropriateness actually begins to diminish. You know, th- that becomes problematic in any relationship. However, I think there is that side. If this is your actual conviction, if you say, I want to marry only a virgin woman, you might wait a long time or God might provide that for you. I actually knew some uh, a couple that were missionaries in the Philippines. And this was a guy who decided he wasn't going to date at all. Mm-hmm. And he was just going to wait on the Lord. Well, ironically, he goes to the Philippines. And what does he end up doing? He finds a woman who went to the Philippines in the mission field and said, I'm not going to date at all until God brings the right person for me. And God brought the two of them together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, one <laughs> person... kind of despite themselves. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you let me know, go the furthest away from anyone I yeah, possibly yeah, can. Yeah, which is really okay. kind of interesting. But what it is, it, in, in their case, you would almost think that that's kind of like an extreme perspective. Mm-hmm. And yet God met them at that point and provided for them exactly what their hearts and desires was. Now, the other side is... I, I would go back to my, my first comment, and that is, as soon as you place that expectation uh, on somebody else, it's a different story. You want to live with that expectation or those demands for yourself, and then go for it if that's the way God's leading you. However, 
you might be waiting a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking, and I think I've shared this on balance before, but I think when you're talking about trying to find God's will, I've, I've been taught this years ago by a pastor and I, I really think it minimizes the chaos. Is the issue sin? Is it wise? If not, then do I have freedom? And so first thought would be, I don't want to date somebody who's never had sex before. Okay. Um, why? What's your motivation there? Is that it's not sin that you you don't you don't want to do that, but it's not necessarily sin if you were to marry somebody who's had sex outside of marriage before. If they've repented, the sin would be: Do they not walk with the Lord today? Mm-hmm. Like we are told, do not be unequally yoked. That's, like that's right. that is clear. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand if it's sin or not. Okay, then you're talking about wisdom. If this was unwise for you, and you feel like this is not the best course of action. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, and, and I'd want to just dig into that. What's the motivations behind that? Um, but it's not necessarily wise or unwise, but th- mm-hmm. th- that's a wisdom issue. And if it's not sin and it's not unwise, then you just have freedom. Mm-hmm. And I would just look at that as, okay, I didn't want to ever marry somebody who, who who had sex before. Okay, but it's not a sin issue. And they seem to be walking with the Lord. They're really faithful. They've been, that was a mistake years and years ago. Okay, so I would think this was wise to marry them. Do I want them? Do I actually just desire this? Mm-hmm. And I think then you have freedom. Yeah. I think it, you know, it just uh, what C.S. Lewis says comes to mind here in the idea between nice men and new men. Like the whole mm-hmm. idea of like you're you're called to marry a new creation. Mm-hmm. You're not, if you're only looking for quote unquote good people, you're going to have, you can find people that have that veneer or mm-hmm. who have checked off boxes or who have done the right thing, but has their heart been transformed? And mm-hmm. are they sensitive to the Holy Spirit? And have they been, you know, have they been changed? Are they, are they saved? Are they sensitive to, you know, are they walking with the Lord and stuff? And I think that's much more of a, a litmus test in that sense, rather Rather than behaviors, mm-hmm. having the correct behaviors and, you know, a, a history of correct behaviors in that sense. So how, what would you guys say, um, what does it look like then to hold to biblical principles in searching for a spouse and even the people that you date without treading towards legalism? How do you do that well? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll jump in first, but I think you do want standards. Mm-hmm. I think we do. So I'm in a car. This is a college career camping trip a couple months ago. And we had like a 40-minute drive from the rafting place back to the campsite. And I have this girl with my wife and a couple others in our car. And she's dating a guy. And I don't feel like I've seen anything in the the recent months of their dating that just I was really excited about, right? Mm -hmm. So I do what I do. I jump (laughs) in and I start having conversation. And I said, you know, if you were going to build a list of things that – a believer should have, a potential spouse should have, what should you base that list on? And, and uh, you know, my wife was like, well, you probably went to Proverbs 31, right? Like, that's a good starting place because it actually describes a godly woman. Yeah, it's a good spot. And one of the other girls jumps in and goes, what about the elder qualifications? Like, that talks about what a godly man should be. And I think that's a great idea, <laughs> right? Because that's not an unobtainable list. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a high calling, but it's not an unobtainable. And it's all character-based. Mm-hmm. And so... Things like loves Jesus, serves in the church faithfully, uh, goes to a church that teaches the Bible, Mm -hmm. um, shows a desire to grow in Christ-likeness, actually admits when they're wrong and seeks forgiveness and offers forgiveness. Those are like basic character things that I think anyone should be looking for in a spouse. Mm -hmm. That's good. What, um, Vaughn, I'll toss it back over to you. What would you say like in, you know, in as you're interacting with your boyfriend and stuff like that, like, do you, do you say like, oh, do you actively like look for character, like character traits? Or have you kind of thought to yourself, may, I mean, maybe that's kind of, um, you know, even as you've had your lists or whatever stuff, you know, from, you know, any, any one of us from the time we're in high school through college or whatever, certain mm-hmm. things are going to change, but obviously character is important. Um, what has that looked like for you as you've matured in being like, yeah, this is really important. Yeah, I would say it's gotten a lot of like situational based, uh-huh. right? Um, just whenever things happened in our relationship um, or like my mom got really sick, right? And so like, how did he handle that? And mm-hmm. how did he help me through that, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want someone that's just going to be like, okay, I'll let you figure that out? Or do you want someone to stand beside you and help you? Even if they don't know how to help you, they're mm-hmm. still just there, Um 
Yeah, they don't run. Right. Yeah. And that's sometimes that's hard to like put on a list, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't know that until you're in that situation. Like, yeah. So obviously when we first started dating, I was like, okay, I want you to, you know, love Jesus. I want you to be committed to marriage and all these things. And clearly he proved that. But as we moved on, it's been less about, I already know that you've had those. It's now more, how will you treat me in certain situations? How will you treat me over the years? Mm -hmm. Will you support my dreams in the future? Mm -hmm. Things that you just can't always find out on the first date, I would say. You bring up a great point because, you know, in reality, everything that you just said, it's great to have those perspectives. But one thing that, because I know that you've been dating your boyfriend for quite some time, and really time brings about so many things. Mm -hmm. Because up front, what are we going to be? We're we're men. We're going to be in our best behavior because we want the girl, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, but in reality, I told my I told my uh, children. I remember my daughter saying, "You know, how do I know if this is going to be the right one?" She had her standards. She she knew what she was looking for, and of course, we could go through a list. And I said, "But really, when you find somebody that really has a, a heart for the Lord and a heart for His Word, has humility." and is teachable. Mm -hmm. Then the Holy Spirit can do the job because we're all sinners saved by grace. None of us come to the table, you know, with, without any issues. Mm -hmm. And it's time that begins to not only help you find the ones, those issues that are going to be, uh, that need to be worked through and that kind of thing. But it's also time that it heals those things as we mature in Christ and we mature in our relationships and all of that. So, That's why I think it's so important to have other people involved in your dating process who can help you kind of evaluate like, okay, how is this playing out? What am I observing here? How is this couple interacting? Okay, so kind of like final question as we finish out here, though, but what does it look like to, because again, we can talk about super superficial stuff. And I know most folks in our audience are going to be like, yeah, there are some things, preferences I'm going to have to let go. Or as you get to know a person, stuff becomes less important. But what what about things that are non-essentials? So they're not related to salvation. They're not core to important biblical doctrines or, or scriptural truths, but they're still important to, or they're going to be, your marriage is going to be easier, or it's just going to be, you know, more chill if you do agree on those things. What, what would you guys advise as far as like, how to evaluate when to let go of things, when to maybe stick to your guns? Because I mean, that could be like, doctrines, that could be worship styles, that could be, I mean, there. that's mm-hmm. going to affect what church you go to, that's, that's right. going to affect, there are some big conversations to have. How do you work through some of those? Or what, what are some examples of that? Well, you know, in the past, dealing with couples, actually just said something uh, a second ago that I think is important. How do you how do you have all those peripheral type issues uh, come up to the surface where you can deal with them unless you spend adequate time and have adequate communication on those? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not conversing with one another, uh, th- then you're going to have have issues. Mm-hmm. That stuff has to come to the forefront. If they're that important to you, then you got to be willing even to take the risk, and that's what people don't want to do, especially if they've been in a relationship for a long time is, gosh, if I say this, then maybe this this is going to be the deal breaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, when in reality, you want those things to come out up front. The things that are minor, you know, you can, whether you want to make them minor, or you want to make them major, if they're important to you, you've got to voice that. But it only is going to be taken care of, I think, through a process of, of mm-hmm. time and interaction. Because even by the time a couple dates, as many years as as maybe some people want to date, whether it's a, a year, five years, ten years. Uh, I dated Diane for five years, and I've been married for forty four. But when we came to the table, when the I do's were done, boy, the work wasn't done. Mm-hmm. It's been forty four years of marriage on working on issues that continually either come up or new issues because new seasons of life, children, moving, jobs, mm-hmm. all those things change the dynamics of a of a relationship. Yeah. And we've been fortunate to be able to work through those because we talk about everything and uh, we pray about everything and God has blessed um, our relationship. So we keep moving forward. And I think you're touching on maybe a myth that people could buy into, which is I've got to have everything sorted out with this person before we get married. No, it's not not going to happen, happen, right? Mm -hmm. Not going to happen. So to me, it's about do you have enough time invested in the relationship and you've seen enough character to know this is a person I can work through things with because mm-hmm. we're going to have bumps. So do we have the, the tools and the agreement and the ability to communicate and a love for Christ in each other that allows us to work through the next thing? 
I think about my wife, like when, when I love you, honey, she's a little <laughs> bit klutzy. I end up paying for things that break that didn't need to break, but maybe they broke because she wasn't she's quite <laughs> aware. And, yeah. um, and you know what? I finally, I think after 11 years now, we've been married. I finally got to a point where I was like, oh, I can't change this about her all the time. So I just have to kind of love her, remind her after the fact that, yes, you could have been more cautious, but this isn't, this is like a tertiary issue. Mm -hmm. She loves Jesus. She loves me. She loves my kids. Like, that's really primary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And as you go through time, as you, you know, 11 years, is that what you said? Mm -hmm. 11 years. Add, Add 33 to that. And imagine in that 33 years, all the experiences, all the changes, mm-hmm. all the lessons. Uh, maybe they're not klutzy anymore, and now mm-hmm. we're just old, you know. And and we got to be willing <laughs> to recognize <laughs> none of us. We're all a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, it's not just we as people are a work in progress. Our marriages are a work in progress, mm-hmm. and they can only get uh, better. Well, that's what we hope as as we work on them. But if we're not willing to 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 do the hard work, then they're going to potentially get worse. Mm-hmm. And and so it's it's like the monkey climbing a grease pole. You don't stay stagnant. You're either going up or you're coming down. In that sense, mm-hmm. so it's it's constant work. But it's it's a work that's worth the effort. Going back to your uh, comment about communicating really well, mm-hmm. I think it's especially for my generation, the struggle that everyone has is what they see other relationships look like. Mm -hmm. They see it on social media. They see it on TV and movies. That was something that I struggled with in college. If I had this expectation of my boyfriend would do all of these things for me because Mm -hmm. that's what everything happened in the movies. Mm -hmm. And it's just not Mm -hmm. right. I had to realize that my expectations needed to be those biblical ones of like, it's okay if like, I'm thinking, wow, I want flowers, and he does not read my mind and just buy them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that does not mean that he isn't meeting my expectations. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just have that unrealistic one, and it's like, where is that? And that's when you communicate, right? Is it that, hey, I want flowers randomly. I don't want them at all. I like little notes. And he's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. And yeah moving and communicating that i had a i had a counselor one time uh, it was a good friend i wasn't in counseling by the way uh but we were having lunch and we were talking about this very thing and he said i'm going to give you just three things off the top that will be destructive to your relationship or to your marriage he said romance novels movies or tv in general um because of of what they portray or how they portray relationships and marriage and then he said this which was really life changing for me he said comparison is an immediate recipe for failure as soon as you start comparing yourself to somebody else to their relationships to their husband or their wife or whatever or what you're what you're getting out of media he said you you got to stay away from that because it's destructive mm-hmm. you got to look at who god is placed in front of you mm-hmm. and how you are going to operate as a unity diversity unified in terms of your relationship and where you're going and your desires and to serve the Lord and what all that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. But you're diverse with your characters and your personality, your gifts and your skills and how God's going to use those two. If you could land there and stay there and then grow together, yeah. works yeah. out like and it's I supposed to. And I think your expectations should be how will this look to God, not how will this look to that's other correct. people. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's good. And just putting, yeah, yeah, seeing the other person as a person made in the image of God and, you know, character is key, not as a list of traits or things that they're going to bring to the table, like that's a right. consumeristic mindset. So, well, you guys, thank you so much for weighing in on this. Great yeah. thoughts thank and uh, hopefully some good direction for folks moving forward. Thank you. was
All right, folks. Well, we are back this week with our friend Eric Demeter. And uh, you know, if you listened last week, that we are having a conversation around his book, How Should a Christian Date? And uh, now that sounds very prescriptive, but we're not being prescriptive here because we know that formulas don't work, um, but there's a lot of God involved in the process. And so, Eric, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me back. Good having you back. All right. Well, we're, I did promise folks last week that we were going to get into some actual nitty gritty uh, practical ideas for dating well. And I, I want to start out by, you have a really great section in your book. And again, we're talking about how should a Christian date about just ways to, you know, one of the biggest questions I get at Boundless is how do I just like meet people? How do I just find people? How do I expand my circle? How do I put more possibilities out there? And you have a few great suggestions for that. And uh, the first one I thought was really awesome. You actually suggest unfriend zoning someone, which is so hilarious because guys will say this in particular. They're just like, how did I get friend zoned? I don't know how this happened. It's just Mm -hmm. like, ah, and it's kind of this abyss that no one can ever get out of. But you're saying, no, turn it around. Uh, explain that for us. Yeah, that that's definitely one possibility. If if you're friends with someone, then you have a connection, and I believe that most people want to marry a a good friend, if not their best friend. So if you've uh, if you are friends with someone, if you made it go on a date and there wasn't there weren't any fireworks, consider if that could grow. I talk about the uh, attraction o meter, and if someone's a zero. Okay, you're probably not going to move that needle up much. But let's say that they're a five and you really want like an eight or nine. Well, could they, with their solid character, with that uh, friendship that that you have with them, could going on a few dates move that up to six, seven, eight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's very interesting because when I talk to being here at Boundless, which is part of Focus on the Family, I talk to our marriage folks a lot, you know, our marriage experts, and they're like, yeah, Lisa, people put so much emphasis on attraction or chemistry, which is important. And as we said last week, you know, yeah, you don't want to negate that. But ultimately, when you're moving through marriage, I mean, it's like doing life together mm-hmm. and the companionship element and the friendship element and a person you just want to hang out with and have fun with, you know, is so important and much more so than, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess if people are just under a rock, y'all think that like you're going to get married and all you do is have sex, but that is like not the case according to married couples. They're like paying bills and yeah, raising yeah. kids and going on vacations and doing, yeah. you know, again, doing life and so you got to keep that into consideration as well, well bless my my mom she she made it into the book <laughs> once if not twice but she said eric and this was another thing that that made my ears bleed but she said eric there is only so much sex that you can have with someone sooner or later you you have to talk to them <laughs> as the key is that marriage is ma- mainly based on friendship and mm-hmm. paying those, those bills and going grocery shopping together so um it is important to look for that and i i think that Attraction grows, especially as your respect for that person grows. That a friend of mine was reasonably attracted to his wife, but when they got married, and especially when they had kids, he said that his attraction skyrocketed because he just respected her so much more when when he saw her as a mother. Okay, one of the other suggestions that you have for finding people and kind of like potential mates uh, in the future is just kind of the whole concept around networking, finding people who know people who know people, that whole, I mean, the mentors that are out there. And I know you allude a lot to your mentor in the book who has been so helpful to you. Um, And then just kind of, it's kind of like the new version of putting yourself out there, but just being willing to be like in different spheres. What would be some suggestions of different spheres and different ways to network that are helpful for folks? Yeah, I had a friend and um, they really wanted to get married. And this person was not finding anyone locally. So they started driving an, an hour to uh, a new Bible study, uh, had a new community, and uh, they met someone, they, they, they got married, and they have kids today. So, But it takes risk to do that, and it's uncomfortable, especially when, when you have an established community to, uh, you know, to join a new one. So I would say that that is one way. Uh, meeting people on, online 
You know, you can meet people all over the, the world. My suggestion with that, though, is don't chat with people if you're not willing to meet them where, where they're at. So if you're not willing to travel to New Zealand, then don't, you know, then don't, mm-hmm. um, then I wouldn't start a conversation with someone who lived there. Also, which we forget is there's people that want to see us married. Mm-hmm. So find a advocate, a, a pastor, a mentor. There's, there is plenty of people that love playing Cupid. Um, one of, one of the pastors at, at my church now, uh, he loves setting people up and we need more, more leaders. We need more pastors like this. Yeah, that's great. All right. Well, I did promise people last week that you were going to explain this cheesecake analogy (laughs) that you put in the book because everyone's like, ooh, I love cheesecake. But (laughs) what does that mean and how does it apply to dating? Yeah. So Christians need to marry someone not who uh, not only who has a strong faith in Christ, but someone who you like the relationship that you form together. So Christians get it wrong. And Although I want to say that Jesus is enough to bring two people together, I don't think it is in in the sense that you need more than a shared faith. So people want to fall in love. You know, they they want the fireworks of feelings, you know, and and that's good, but I, but I would say fall in fall in like. Fall in like with with someone, you know, again back back to the friendship because feelings will go up and down, but that friendship will last. So by, by the cheesecake just means that you have to fall in love with your relationship and what you form together with that person as much as the actual person. So if you're actually dating someone, like say that you, you know, found someone, they're willing to go out with you, they, you know, maybe you've done a few dates or whatever, let's talk about evaluating the process. And because I think it's so helpful in the book, you talk specifically about finding ways to evaluate communication skills, conflict, the importance of doing conflict in relationships. Why is that so important? Because I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, no, we just want it smooth sailing. We don't want to get into all this like messy stuff. But you really kind of walk through ways to evaluate uh, a person that you're dating to see, is this relationship healthy? Is this going in the right direction? Are we able as a couple to make it work? What are some signals there? Yeah, Definitely pray. And your dating will be hard at times, but it shouldn't be too hard. Mm-hmm. If it's too hard, that's probably a sign that something uh, fundamentally is wrong. But yeah, you want to examine how you communicate, how you do conflict, simply because those patterns you will take from, from dating into your, your marriage. So sometimes people want to get married thinking it will fix the problem that, that they have in, in, in dating, but that's absolutely not true. In fact, those problems will become much, much worse. Mm-hmm. So I think every couple needs to have a good fight mm-hmm. before they get in, engaged, that they need to learn how to listen, communicate, uh, handle their uh, emotions. And uh, if you can do that well, if you can listen, if you can work through some of these hard things, those are great indicators that um that you're ready for engagement yeah that is so good and it's very easy to um be a little bit delusional about how this is going to work out i know i was in a relationship where it seemed so hard like i feel like this guy was constantly it was almost like he liked my personality but then he criticized my personality all Mm. the time and there was always something i should be improving on or whatever and we would just get at these like impasses we would argue about stuff. So I guess we had conflict down. That was good. But it just felt like, oh my goodness, this is so much work. This is so hard. This is like square peg in round hole. And, but I remember beating myself up because I'm like, I've got a communications degree. This guy's a believer. We should be able to make this work. Like I very much felt shame around it of just like, this is like, why am I such a failure at this and stuff? And, you know, had I had this wisdom and been able to be just like, oh my goodness, Lisa, sometimes relationships just don't work out. It would be so helpful. Yeah, that's it. And and back to the cheesecake. It is often a mystery why. And 
you know, things work with some Christians and don't work with, with others. And, you know, you're a strong Christian and this, and this guy that, that you're dating might have been a strong Christian also. But that doesn't necessarily mean that when you, you know, bake that, that cake, that it's going to be something that you both like to, to eat. And, uh, but it is tough because we're saying, why, God? Like, why, why doesn't it work? And sometimes we, we just don't know. Um, but we are left with um, feeling that, that this, this isn't the right person. Yeah. I think, too, it, it often comes down to, I remember, again, in, in some past relationships, just feeling like I, again, that it should be very easy. And I knew that I hadn't done the hard work. And this is why it's so great, you guys, whether you're dating or not dating. Now, there are so many things just personally that you can work on to grow that are going to put you in a position to be more mature and, um, you know, more, more Christ-like in your own evaluations. And that could include uh, being that person who's going after healthy conflict skills and the person who's like, no, I'm actually going to bring up a wrong or I'm going to be that repentant person who's willing to ask for someone's forgiveness rather than just putting up a good front. Um, Because again, those are all skills that all of us need, regardless of Mm -hmm. whether we're dating. That's just like being a Christian and being a healthy adult. And so I think sometimes we sidestep those as like, oh, well, you know, I don't, we all think we're great. You know, it's just everyone else that's a problem. So I think it's good to build some of those skills at the get-go. Yeah, train with those that are around you. If you have, if you have roommates, those are good mm-hmm. people to, to train with. Because if you can hand, handle conflict with someone that you're, I mean, it is not like your marriage will be different, but, you know, practice with those roommates. Um, also, one of the things that has helped me grow the most is uh, not only being mentor, but to mentor mentor because mm-hmm. uh, you feel like such a hip- hypocrite if you're telling someone else to do something that you're not doing in your in your own life so I would say that mentoring has actually grown me just as much or or if not more than than being mentored yeah yeah it's very very helpful and we all should be seeking out mentors to mentor us as well as being willing to um, pour into the lives of those who are coming up behind us. I've got a uh, a girl from my church who's a young 20-something, and uh, we're going through some discipleship stuff, just faith. You know, we're walking through Romans right now. But it's cute because in our conversations, all of a sudden she starts bringing up like this guy that asked her out, and then she's like, but I don't know. You know, she's like way over analyzing, mm-hmm. <laughs> getting into all this, like tying herself up in knots. So it's been great. And it's just fun to be able to say, oh, my goodness, been there, done that. You know, let me let me help you talk this through. Let's process it and figure out where to go. And, and we just need that at all levels. It's so helpful. Yeah, we need someone to process uh, dating life, life with. I was fortunate to have been mentored by a professor of family therapy Mm -hmm. and uh, I always joked joked with him because we met for 17 years and uh, I always joked that if he charged me for our time (laughs) that I would probably owe him like ten ten thousand dollars but I was blessed so uh, basically I had 17 years of uh, of free therapy (laughs) so praise God I guess God got thought that I needed it (laughs) that is pretty good well um I also like the idea of you really hammer home the concept of um, of just kind of approaching others holistically and the whole idea of, you know, what it means to, again, and, and we need to do this in our culture today, is cut out this consumeristic mindset of treating people like commodities or just where marriage becomes the be-all, end-all goal, where it's just like, I'm just after marriage. And then the people and the hearts involved kind of are cut out. And uh, you actually, in, in talking this through, this was a little bit of a flashback for me because you illustrate this concept through uh, the story of the little prince, mm-hmm. which I'm like, hello, um, high school English class. <laughs> I was like, I remember reading that. And so it was kind of neat to, to see that. But the, the talk about why you use that analogy, because I, I think that is something that a lot of daters miss out on is the the uniqueness, the ability to go after a relationship and really appreciate what they have. Yeah, this so this person crash lands on a, a planet and finds a rose and uh, he waters it, he takes care of it, he protects it from the the insects, and then he finds a whole bed of roses and he he, he gets discouraged because uh oh there are many 
other roses just like the the one that 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 he found and then this uh, a little fox it uh reminds him that know that your rose is your rose because you watered it because you invested in that rose because you took care of that that rose yes there is um Many amazing people, but I think that quote, the one is the one that we choose to invest in, you know, where we choose to to nurture that relationship. People don't leave relationships that they invest in. I equate it to a to a stock. Like if you own one stock in a company, you're probably not going to watch the stock market. You could, you know, maybe you care some, but but you don't really care much, you know, how how that stock's doing, how that company's doing. But it, let's say you own 10,000 shares of that same stock. You are invested. You have a big chunk of your money in that stock. You will watch that, um, uh, the market. And with relationships, you will take care of that relationship. You, you will watch that relationship and make sure that it's healthy. So we, we love what we invest in. All right. So Eric, as we finish out here, um, let's just take a couple minutes to help that person who's listening and who's like, I don't know, Eric. I mean, I've asked girls out and they've turned me down or I've, you know, or the women, no guys are asking me out or I've been on too many bad dates or I'm just discouraged. Are there any great, you know, Christian uh, women or men out there anymore? What would you say for the person who after this show is just like, I need to do this differently. Something about this has to change. What would you say are kind of your best suggestions for first steps in maybe transforming this process and reconsidering a few things and moving forward? Yeah, I would take it always back to pray and see what God is saying. You know, God didn't invent dating. We we did. Our culture did. But God cares how we get there. And God cares about your love life because he created marriage. So, um, and if, if he's called you to be married, that he will help you. And after prayer, I would just consider what has worked for you in the past, what hasn't worked, and what might you want to try. If you haven't tried uh, to, to meet people on online, then, uh, you know, sign up. Or if there's a new site that you want to try, then try that. If you have someone who might be an advocate for you and your dating life, uh, send them a text and, um, you know, or give them a call and ask them if they know someone who could be a good fit. Um, Finally, it's important to not compare your journey with anyone else's. You know, um, God has us on our own journey, our own path. And um, just know that God is up there. He is rooting for you. He's not scratching his head, wondering who you will marry. Take faith. And um, as your conscience and your faith allows, try something new. Mm -hmm. I always tell uh, people, especially younger adults, you know, that even in my own story, I don't say like that. God's up there, you know, wringing his hands saying, oh my goodness, I was able to find someone for everyone in the world Mm -hmm. except Lisa. Lisa, you're my toughest case. I just can't do it. I can't. God is a resourceful God, unlimited resources, and he has uh, our good in mind. So we can trust that. That's awesome. All right. Well, Eric, thank you so much for being part of the show. Uh, This is really great wisdom. And and I appreciate that you're walking through it and you've walked through a lot as well. Thanks so much for having me. All right, folks. Um, Well, I want you to know that this book, How Should a Christian Date? It's Not as Complicated as You Think by Eric Demeter, is available from us here at Boundless for a gift of any amount to Boundless. So the way this works is you just go to boundless.org. You will actually see the book cover there. If you need to search, you can search for 713. That's this week's episode. And uh, you can go ahead and click on that and get it. Uh, Maybe you and your friends can get it and do it as a book study, and it will be very helpful to you.
Well, hey, folks, we are just about finished with the show. And as we do every week, we open up our inbox and answer a listener question. Sometimes they're about relationships. Sometimes they're about uh, spiritual matters. Sometimes they're just about practical life stuff. But we really appreciate it when you entrust us with your question. And we always try to get a great expert to answer your question, um, although sometimes it's just me. So... I apologize that this week is the case uh, for that. But no, I'm really excited about this one because, again, I feel like it's a universal question with a few little caveats in it. So here we go. Um, Our listener says, I'm trying to find a Christian husband. I'm in my late 20s, and there are next to no single young men around my age at my church. I just graduated from college again, so I'm basically starting a new chapter in my life and don't know very many single guys in my community. Those I do know don't really seem to be an option or are simply friends. I'm also wondering if I'll ever find someone who has the strong convictions that I do, like dressing modestly, not watching movies for entertainment, not drinking alcohol, honoring the Sabbath day, etc. I don't live this way out of legalism, but rather because I love God and my neighbors and want to do what's best. Are there any articles you'd recommend I could read or online dating sites you'd suggest for finding a Christian guy? Okay, well, thanks for writing in. And uh, this seems like it's just kind of the question that everyone asks. I mean, after all, why are we like trying to date in the first place? Hey, I'd love to find someone. Um, So it is hard. I mean, let's just acknowledge this is tricky. Uh, You mentioned you're in your late 20s. I always say to people, man, you know, once you're out of that kind of college sphere, especially if you went to a Christian college, It takes some effort and intention to find quality Christian people who are still single, who, you know, you can kind of be in their sphere. So hats off to you for trying to make it happen. Um, I want to back into the center uh, portion of your question, though, just because you kind of like went um, to a few things that you I would assume you're kind of looking for based on your own convictions and kind of maybe some upbringing questions along uh, those lines. And it's really funny that this came across my desk, your question, because I am right now in a Bible study where we're studying a book called The Insider. It's a book slash study from the Navigators, if you're familiar with them. And it's really about how do we utilize the networks that we have to meet people and really share the gospel and be the hands and feet of Jesus in the natural places that we're already occupying? So maybe that's on the job. Maybe that's in your neighborhood. Maybe that's in a uh, hobby, you know, a hiking group or a whatever group you might be in. God places us unique places for certain reasons. And the reason I'm saying this is one of the things that we've studied in this is this whole idea of like, well, that's going to put me around people who are different than me or who hold different convictions, and I'm pretty uncomfortable with that. Well, the fact is, some of these people might be non-Christians, and some of them might be Christians. And the stuff that you mentioned, like dressing modestly, you know, not watching movies for entertainment, the whole alcohol thing, are, you know, they're, they're guidelines, they're principles, they're things that some people have convictions on, but none of those things are specifically biblical absolutes as they play out in scripture. And so um, the way I've heard it outlined is, you know, there are things that scripture says that we must do. There are things that scripture says that we must not do. And then there are kind of these disputable areas or gray areas. And I would just encourage you as you are considering dating, considering getting to know people and kind of moving into that sphere to challenge some of your assumptions in these areas, because um, you say you're doing it because you want to do what's best and you want to love God and your neighbors. But, you know, we have to admit that there are people who watch movies and maybe drink alcohol who also love God and their neighbors. So, and I am saying this as a person who uh, grew up with all of these same things that you're talking about. And my mom and dad loved Jesus and they were very convicted on this. And so I'm not dissing that at all. I mean, you've got you've to do what you've got to do. And and certainly honoring the Sabbath. I mean, my goodness, you know, that's, that's good. I would just say maybe challenge some of your assumptions on what that looks like, because what you want to do is honor the principles without sliding into legalism, where the evidence of a person's faith ends up being tied to specific behaviors that may or may not be limiting and may or may not be constraining of the work of the Spirit in a person's life. Okay, so... That said, and again, there are many places that you can go after this and and process that and think that through. We've talked about it here at Boundless. Um, You might want to just bring a couple other folks into your sphere to be like, okay, what, what do I maybe need to hold a little more loosely and what do I really need to stand by? Um, That said, 
Uh, what does it look like then to just find people? Okay, so I always encourage, let me just run through a couple things really quickly. One, be willing to be set up. That is one of the best ways nowadays for the people who know and love you to get you um, into the spheres of folks who might be good possibilities for you to date. Um, build that list and then whittle it down. So again, this is where you're going to challenge some of your assumptions and what is truly important. You want a person who is passionate about Jesus Christ, who's growing in their faith, who serves in their church, who's in a position to marry, who is humble and teachable, who can communicate and do conflict well, and is growing on a continuum in all of those areas. You don't necessarily need someone who has a certain height or hair color or worship music preference, or who, you know, maybe... Uh, for example, has watched a movie or two in their life and stuff. Again, conversation starters, go there, be open about it, be humble about it, and I think you'll meet some great quality people. Um, You can do that through church, through other churches, by serving, by going online. I don't have specific online sites necessarily to recommend. Some people maybe in your sphere have tried some that they would recommend, so you can go after all of those. Um, In fact, about these larger questions, a couple things to read because you asked for ideas there. We just published an article at Boundless here that we titled Revisiting When to Settle. And it's on the whole idea of settling. What is important? What maybe can you let go by the wayside? What are the things that you have to cling to? It's just a great reminder of what is core when it comes to finding a life partner. Um, And then if you haven't checked out my book, The Dating Manifesto, you may want to do that as well because I give lots of practical ideas ideas in there for meeting people, for letting go of lists, for prioritizing things, for having the conversations around these, and maybe it would be helpful to you. So hopefully that'll get you on your way and, uh, and get you started in this pursuit. Okay, folks, that is it for this week's show. If you have not done so yet, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that is how folks find out about us. So I don't care if you're a brand new listener or you've been around for forever, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review for The Boundless Show and let other people know why you think The Boundless Show is so great and so helpful. I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family.